0: amen thank you worship team thank you choir all right what's up everyone if you need a Bible raise your hand if you have one turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3 now just a couple of quick announcements before we move on Uh, October 17th we're having a night of worship led by Onaje and some special guests that are gonna be joining us that night And uh, I don't know about you, but after, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of worship, there's moments where I was just like, I I wish this thing could go on a little bit longer, another hour, two hours, where the night of worship is that time for that, to really have an expansive time of worship and praise. And uh, over the summer, I've been, uh, I've traveled uh, to see Onaje in different uh, settings around the city uh, with the band that's going to be with him uh, that night, and it's been uh, absolutely remarkable to see the presence of God uh, come in powerful ways, and I believe October 17th uh, is going to be a time for that, a time of breakthrough, a time of healing, a time of, of being filled with hope, and so uh, it's going to be 7 o'clock uh, in a couple of weeks, so I hope to see all of you out there, invite a friend as well. And uh, secondly, before I get onto our, our message today, uh, every year Americans observe a National Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, from September 15th through October 15th uh, in which there's a celebration of, of history cultures uh, And the contributions of American citizens uh, Whose ancestors came from Spain and Mexico and the Caribbean Central South America And so next week we're going to have a, a gathering uh, called Dia de la Raza, okay? And uh, in the yellow room, how's that sound? Was that all right? Um, and uh, in the yellow room uh, so uh, for folks, everyone's uh, invited, especially those from uh, Hispanic heritage, Hispanic uh, background there. And so you can bring your flags. My uh, Millie's going to be, Milagros is going to be organizing this. And so it's going to be in the yellow room. So bring your flags, your music, your food, of course, uh, and uh, to give everyone a taste of Hispanic heritage. And so uh, it's going to be a great opportunity. That's after the second service uh, or from 1215 or so. Uh, to 215 so just wanted to make that announcement she'll be downstairs handing out some flyers as well now uh, we've been in a series talking about being the family of Jesus and we're at our final uh, message on it as we're going to talk about what it means to be a missional community and um, we've been, you know, our series, we've talked about what kind of church we're called to be. And we, I've mentioned throughout our series that we're not called to be three things. We're not called to be a stadium, we're not called to be a uh, mall, and we're not called to be a subway car. We're not a stadium, we're not a crowd of spectators, we're not a mall, we're not a crowd of consumers. We are not a subway car, we are not to be a crowd of anonymous people in close proximity to each other. We are to be the family of Jesus on mission together. And so today's a special service for us because whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a business person in the financial district, whether you are a barber on Queens Boulevard, we are all called to approach our work in a particular way. And so today is our annual commissioning service. For the last few years, we have commissioned you to your workplace and we're going to do that again. And we need to be reminded of this and do this every year because uh, the average person will spend a hundred thousand hours in work-related activities activity. That's not including your commute to work, to and from work. That's not including overtime. We spend a lot of time working. And so the gospel has a lot to say about the way that we work. And so from the onset, some of you might be wondering if this message applies to you. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you're in in transition between jobs. I want to let you know ahead of time, this is for you because we're always working, whether it's paid or whether it is unpaid work. And so to be commissioned means to be officially authorized to perform certain duties or functions. And in this case, we are recognizing that Jesus Christ has authorized us as followers of Christ. He's given us authority to carry out certain functions as it pertains to our work. And so my prayer today and my hope is that you would go to work differently tomorrow. That you wouldn't snooze five and six times before you get out of bed. That you would get out with a little bit more gusto, a little bit more energy because of what we're going to talk about today. And so my passage, uh, our passage today is out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. And in this text, Paul is talking to slaves. And I I want to just frame this because we have an image of what slavery is in this country and uh, in, in the West but the slave relationship that Paul is writing about here really functioned as an employer-employee relationship, really as a, a supervisor and an employee relationship. And so it is with, with that context in mind that we, we see our passage here, Colossians 3, beginning at verse 22. Hear the word of the Lord. says, slaves or employees, obey your earthly masters or your boss in everything. serving. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for gathering us in this place on this Sunday morning, and Lord, I pray you would give us a vision, a a clear vision of what it means to work in your name, what it means to go to our jobs differently than the world goes to their jobs. And so, Lord, may your kingdom come as I preach. May your will be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. I read a statistic last night that said that 60% of Americans battle with something called the Sunday night blues. The Sunday night blues. some of you probably already know what I'm talking about with this. Uh, Friday sets off the weekend and with joy and relaxation because the work week has ended. Uh, that joy and relaxation carries over for many of us into Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. And it spills over into Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. But something happens at about 6 p.m. on Sunday Whatever joy that we had turns into dread. Whatever relaxation we enjoyed turns into resentment. Because in just a few hours, we have to go back to work. In our home, we experience the Sunday night blues with our daughter Karis. Karis started kindergarten one month ago. And the first week of kindergarten was really uh, joyful. This is, this is her first day of kindergarten. She was really, I wish I had an after picture. Uh, yeah, the, you know, she, she really was joyful and she was excited. Last year, she went to pre K, and so she had half a day, which from 12 to 2.30, and she would go to school then. And so her, I, I guess she thought that that's what happens. For kindergarten as well. And so she goes to school and she has a great time. And after about a week or so, she started experiencing this Sunday night blues. She didn't get the memo that there's no half days, that once you're in here, it's like you're in prison. It's like it's every day, all day, you know? And so, um, her joy was replaced very quickly with sadness. And, and, and in our case, she just didn't have the Sunday night blues. She started having the Monday night blues and the Tuesday night blues and the Wednesday night blues and the Thursday night blues. And it got so bad that I started learning that she's already learning how to trick us. Because the Sunday night blues always come with stomach aches and headaches. At 6 p.m. on Sunday night, all of a sudden, her stomach starts hurting. On Sunday night, all of a sudden, her head starts hurting. When I drop off at school, she says, don't take me to school. You're going to abandon me. I am mean, like, who taught you that word? <laughs> abandon <laughs> me. Who taught you this word? Who's given you these words here? And I realized she was playing a trick on me because a, a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday morning, she woke up and she didn't realize that it was Sunday morning. You've done that before thinking it's it's Monday and then goes, oh, Sunday. And, and she woke up and she goes oh, first thing out of her mouth. Oh, I got a headache. Oh, my stomach hurts. And, and, I, and I brought her to our bed and I just Karis, and I just thought, I said, Karis, it's Sunday. And she doesn't have this self-awareness. And she she goes, oh, it is? This is great! Can I have some cereal? Can we watch some TV? She was healed in an instant. All of a sudden, (laughs) healing filled her home when I said it was Sunday. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the Sunday morning blues, for that matter, went away. For many of us, when we approach our work, many of us uh, approach our work with the Sunday night blues. I came across a study from CBS CBS, that said uh, that 84% of workers are not in their dream job. 80% of employees do not think their job is fun. 50% of the employees are, are only 50% are satisfied with their job. Every year, 2.5 million people will quit their job. 32% of workers call in sick when they were not sick. I know none of us in this room have ever done that before. (laughs) Those people out there across the street have done that. But 32% of workers call in sick when they were not. This is called the Sunday night blues with these statistics before us we desperately need a theology of work in our text this morning paul is addressing a major issue in the church the church in the book of colossians also had the sunday night blues as it pertained to their work and the issue that they had was how people were approaching their work as you might recall, we did a series through the book of Colossians, and the book of Colossians is really about the supremacy of Jesus, that Jesus fills all the earth. He fills all the world, and throughout the letter, Paul is letting the church know that because Christ is Lord, every aspect of our lives matter. Our private life matters, our, our home life matters, our sex life matters, our church life matters. And Paul is at the point where in the letter he wants the church to know that your work life matters as well. But for some people in the church, they didn't see it that way. And this was reflected in the way that they worked. And what Paul saw was there was a disconnection between their worship and their working. Two things that were supposed to go together were somehow separated from each other, and we see in our text that this was the case because it was evident that for the Christians in the Book of Colossians there were two ways that they approached work. The first way they approached work is they worked one way when the boss was present, and they worked a whole other way when the boss was absent. The same way that a kid, when the super, you know, the substitute, a substitute teacher comes in, the kids will live one way. And when the regular teacher comes in, there is a different way of going to school. Paul is saying, there's a, you're disconnected from the way of your worship and the way of your working. And so Paul says, don't just work when their eye is on you. Don't just work when the boss is in town. Just don't work when your supervisor is looking over your shoulder. And Paul is highlighting a major problem in the church, and it was this. The Christians were not connecting their working with their worship. Now, this ancient problem really is something that all of us at one point or another will wrestle with. For many reasons, there is a disconnection between our worship and our working. And because of this disconnection between worship and our working, we fall into two extremes in the way that we see work. For some of us, we, we demonize work. That's the first way that we see work. We demonize work. And that means that the demonized work means that work is a necessary evil. Work is not about about worship. Work is about warfare, spiritual warfare. And so it's a necessary evil to, to do the things that I really want to do on the weekends. I work because I have to pay the bills. I work because I have to eat. Work is an obstacle. It's a drag. It's boring. My boss is demon possessed. We hate our work. We demonize our work. And typically, when we see work as, when we demonize our work, it's hard to see our work as an extension of worship. The other extreme that we have is we just don't demonize our work, we divinize our work. And in this case, to divinize something means to elevate something to a godlike status. And many of us, when we approach our work, we approach it as a means of securing our identity. That work becomes the thing that secures our identity. Our salary, our title, the place that we work, how many people are under us if we're supervising people. These are the things that secure our identity. And so your salary becomes your God. Your position becomes your God. Your, 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 your job becomes the basis of your significance. Your success and ability to climb the ladder makes you feel important. Paul is re- he's saying None of these things are reflect the gospel and the kingdom of God. And as a result, what happens is when we demonize work and when we divinize work, we end up with we end up compartmentalizing life. Compartmentalization essentially says that certain things don't mix. They're supposed to remain in their separate compartments. And so when you do laundry, you compartmentalize. You, take your, you separate your white clothes from your bright colored clothes. I hope you do that. Uh, when you go grocery shopping, you come back, you compartmentalize your food. You put some food in the pantry. You put some food in the refrigerator. You put some food in the freezer. But when it comes to the spiritual life, compartmentalization might be the most dangerous trap we can fall into. Because compartmentalization says this. God is here. But God is not there. God is here when we're singing and praising him. But God is not there when I check into work on Monday morning. But Paul is saying, no, no, because Jesus Christ is Lord, God is present, not just at church. He's present in your place at work. And Paul is announcing some good news. And the good news is that the disconnection between work and worship has come to an end in Jesus Christ. In Christ, in the Lordship of Christ, in the the work on the cross and in his resurrection, the disconnection between our worship and our working has come to an end. Now, for many of us as as followers of Christ, when we think about the death and resurrection of Jesus, we believe that that death and resurrection secures our forgiveness of sins. And of course, that is true, but that's only part of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that god is restoring and reconciling all things to christ he's restoring it all that which is broken is in the process of being fully restored now as you've probably heard from me from time to time i come from a very large family and i have six uncles and six aunts on my mother's side i have about 30 cousins on my mother's side and so, uh, one of the cool things about uh, being surrounded with so many relatives is the unique personalities that you come across. And one of the unique personalities that I love is one of my uncles. His name is Julio. But we call him Jujo. It's good Spanish, Puerto Rican nickname, Jujo. And uh, Julio, this is Julio <laughs> with his, his dog, Sugar. And uh, Sugar, I love that. And... And he used to live in Brooklyn. He lives in Florida now. But when he lived in Brooklyn, every morning he would take his dog for a walk. He would take sugar for a walk. And the walk wasn't just so that Sugar can uh, do her business. The, the The walk was because they had a way of identifying broken things in the neighborhood. You see, Juju is a handyman. He he works with his hands. He knows how to restore things. And so he walked Sugar up and down East New York, different streets and different avenues. And they come across a broken fan. They come across a, a broken radio. They come across a broken piece of furniture. And, and Sugar would sniff the furniture and and like like you know like an NYPD dog. She sniffed the furniture notice there was something broken. Juju would take it, bring it back to his place, fix it up, and either give it away to someone else or keep it for himself. And so his house is filled with stuff that the world discarded, but he fixed it and brought it back. That which the world thought was broken, he restores it. And I love it because he is really a picture of what Jesus Christ does with us. Jesus Christ takes us the world discards us the world thinks we're you know They they say we're broken or we discard ourselves and and he comes alongside of us and he picks us up and he mends us And he restores us and he fixes us and he sends us on our way But Jesus doesn't just do that for us. He does it for our work as well Jesus has come to restore work He's come to reconcile work unto God in the book of Genesis uh, God created work to be good before sin enters into the world, God created work. Some of you are probably thinking work must be the result of sin. No, work came before sin. Before sin entered into the world, God created work. And and He creates work to be good. And He gives Adam and He gives Eve really the, the gift of physical labor. He says, Here's a garden, here's 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 the ground here. I want you to use your hands. I want you to produce fruit. I want you to tend the garden. I want you to create it and shape it. I want you to to continue to make it a beautiful space. And so from the very onset, God gives us the gift of physical labor. He gives us the gift of physical work. But not only does he give us the gift of physical work, he also gives us the gift of intellectual work. And so he tells Adam and Eve, he says, Adam, Adam, I want you to name the animals. And the, the naming of animals wasn't just some arbitrary thing where he says, dog cat you know rats he this is this is not what mosquito you know he that, that, that mosquitoes actually came after the fall you know that was after sin uh that wasn't before sin if, if my theology shows yes that's right and and, and so in hebrew uh, uh, to, to name something reflected the thing's nature and so he's intellectually how does this reflect the very nature of this animal And so Adam is given physical labor to do and he's given intellectual labor to do but then sin enters into the world and with sin comes there are many implications what happens is our relationship with God is distorted our relationship with each other is distorted our relationship with creation is distorted and our relationship to work is distorted as well and so when jesus christ dies on the cross and when he resurrects he dies to undo the curse he dies to, to undo the curse of our distorted relationship with us and God. He dies to undo the curse that separated us from each other. He dies to undo the curse that separates us and distorts us between us and creation. He dies to restore and undo the curse of our relationship to work. And so this is why Paul is so concerned about the way that we work. Because he's saying in Christ something has happened. And the way that we work is to reflect the reality of his restoration. And so in verse 23, Paul says these words. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it as if God is there. Why? Because God is there. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And so Paul is saying, because Christ is present at your workplace, Christ sends you into your workplace. He has called you to your workplace. And then he says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And when Paul says this, this is what he's saying. He's saying, your workplace is worship space. Your workplace is worship space. Since God is present for the Christian, work becomes sacred. And we are all involved in full-time ministry. Everyone in this room is involved in full-time ministry. Now we think about full-time ministry. One of the lines that we that I hear many times from people that are in seminary or people that are working and they can't stand their job is they say words like this: I can't wait to quit my job so that I can go into full-time ministry. And you've heard that before. At New Life, we call that heresy. We say that that is that, that is that is not a reflection of the gospel. Because everyone in this room is called to full-time ministry. When you became a Christian, you immediately were involved in full-time ministry. You probably never preached a sermon in your life. You're in full-time ministry. You probably never went to seminary. You're in full-time ministry. You probably never evangelized like like professional evangelizers do, but you are already in full-time ministry. To be in full-time ministry means that we see our work As a place of worship unto God and a space to lovingly serve others. And so when you go to work tomorrow, my prayer is that this is the lens that you see your work. Not just to get a paycheck, not just to pay the bills. You are working because it is a means of worship to God and is also a means of lovingly serving those around you. You are in full time ministry. And because you're in full-time ministry, every one of us in this room, whether you work for a church or whether you work for a a corporation down in Manhattan, you are all in full-time ministry because all of your work matters. Especially when it comes from a place of worship to God. Because we are all in full-time ministry. And we are all participating in the restoration of the world. And so when we work, there is a quality of work that should flow from us. Martin Luther King, I love one of his quotes, really about work, and his, this is what he says. He says, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or as Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived the great street sweeper who did his job well all of us in this room regardless of your work you are called to full-time ministry now to be involved in full-time ministry at at new life we narrowed it down to about four things what does this mean when you go into work tomorrow that you are in full-time ministry what does this mean well first of all it means that you are called to work for christ because christ is your ultimate employer jesus christ is your true boss. Christ is your true supervisor. He is your true provider. Some of you work in very difficult work environments in, in which you're, you hear your, bo- your boss, you just think about your boss, your body gets tense, you get an emotional allergy. When you go to work tomorrow, this text is to remind you that even though your boss may have never said a kind word to you in your work experience there, you don't work ultimately for your boss. You work for Christ and so whatever we do we do it as if we're doing it for Christ if you are an accountant you count your numbers with care as if you're doing Jesus's tax returns if you're a car salesman you sell that car as if you're selling it to Jesus if you're a computer programmer it is his computer that you are working on if you're a construction manager it is Jesus's house that you are building If you're in sanitation, you pick up the garbage that fell out the can. We saw the garbage that fell out the can, you know. You you, you pick it up because it is Jesus' streets that you are cleaning. If you're a teacher, you don't work just to get by because you have tenure. Jesus is one of your students. If you are a musician, you play to create joy and to bring Christ joy. Everyone in this room, you are in full-time ministry, and Christ is ultimately your employer. To be in full-time ministry means also that you are called to create order out of chaos. I love that image of my uncle because there was chaos all over the streets, and he takes that which is broken and chaotic, and he restores it. And God has sent everyone in this room to your workplaces to create and shape order out of chaos. Now, I imagine there's a little bit of order in your work environment. I imagine maybe just a little bit. And I pray to God that you're not contributing to the chaos. But if if there is chaos in your environment, Christ has called you there. He has uniquely assigned you there to create and shape order out of chaos. This is why we talk about being an emotionally healthy community. That That we create a different kind of space. That when there's conflict in the workplace, we resolve conflict differently than the world resolves conflict. When there's no boundaries in the workplace, we establish boundaries in a healthy way that the world knows nothing about. We are to create and to shape order out of chaos. Could you imagine that as being your first job description? Before what you have to do in your job, your number one job description is to create and to shape order out of chaos. Chaos you are to be salt and light you are there to bring order out of the chaos Your very presence in your workplace is to be a, bring a stability to a chaotic environment creating and Shaping you also work for the shalom The flourishing of your workplace as followers of Jesus. We are we are committed to the city the flourishing of the city we are committed to the flourishing of this neighborhood this is what I love I, 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 when Red sends me an email on the bottom on, on the, the signature down on the, every end of the email it says, you know, what are you doing to make Elmhurst a little bit more beautiful? That's really the, the intent of our work that wherever we go, our task as followers of Jesus is to work for the shalom, the flourishing of our workplace. This idea of shalom is flourishing means it's, it's universal flourishing, wholeness and delight. Uh, do you bring delight to the workplace? That's what God is inviting us to do. Do you bring joy to the workplace? Do you bring flourishing and wholeness to the workplace? Jesus Christ is commissioning you today to bring delight, to bring joy, to bring flourishing, to work for the shalom of your workplace. May it be said of us that if you were to ever leave your job, that those who stay would say this place just isn't the same without Job. This place just isn't the same without Susan. This place just isn't the same without Peter. This place was different when he was here. May it be said of us. May it be said of us as a church that if our church were ever to close down our building. That the community would go, no, 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 no. You brought life to us. You brought joy to us. You brought flourishing to us. That's the kind of testimony we want as a church. That's the kind of testimony God wants for you in your workplace. That if you were ever to go, the people would notice a difference. Because God has sent you there. He sent you there to bring joy. He sent you there to bring love. He sent you there to bring hope. You are commissioned by Jesus to work differently than the world works. We work different. And to be in full-time ministry means this, that that we embrace a rhythm of work and rest. We recognize that we work from our rest. We we are different than the world around us. We we, we do our best by the grace of God to, to embrace the rhythm of Sabbath keeping, where we don't find our identity in our working. But we find our identity in the love of God. And so we enjoy the love of God. We, 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 we enjoy the gifts of creation that God has given us. And it is out of that place that we do our work. And so God has called you to full-time ministry because Christ is your ultimate employer. Because he's called you to bring order out of chaos. Because he's called you to work for flourishing. Because he's called us to embrace a rhythm of work or rest. Now, some of you, I already anticipate your, I know what you're thinking. I'm a mind reader. I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, Rich, what if I hate my job? What if I hate my job? And at least 50% of you in this room hate your job. You you have the Sunday night blues. The blues came a little earlier today. It's just like Sunday morning blues as I'm thinking about work. What do you do? Let me just offer a couple of things and then we're going to commission you. If you hate your job, if if going to work is a drag, if it's boring, if if it just doesn't produce life in you, God may be sending you there and using how you're being equipped that new life to create and shape a new culture in your workplace. And so if you hate your job, maybe God is equipping you here at New Life so that you might go to your workplace and be different. If you hate your job, maybe God is trying to form something in you. This is why we, for those of us that hate our job, we have to courageously ask ourselves, what might God be saying to me in this work environment? This is why we, we always marry the monastic with the missional. And when we're working and and there's just that resistance inside of us, maybe we need to ask a question, Lord, what are you trying to form in me through this boss? What are you trying to form in me through this coworker? What are you trying to form in me in the nature of this work? And I think we'd be surprised at the ways that God will speak to us as we courageously ask that question. And it might be, thirdly, that God is calling you away from that job. Maybe God has something else for you. Maybe you want to start looking for another job, but in the meantime, as you are looking for another job, may you create and shape. May you work as if Jesus is your ultimate employer. May you work for flourishing. May you embrace embrace, uh, rest and work. And so God has called you to full-time ministry. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to close our service by commissioning you to the world. Now, traditionally, churches commission missionaries to China and, and to Latin America and to Africa. But uh, today, we are going to uh, commission you to Manhattan and, and to Brooklyn and to the Bronx and to Queens and, and to Jersey and to the tri-state area. We're going to send you. And we're, in a moment, we're going to invite you to come up to receive a card that we've given out year after year. But what we're going to do in a moment is we're, I'm going to read off some various careers and occupations. And if you're in that occupation... Uh, I want you to stand for a moment and then I want you to have a seat because I want us to all see who in this room where you're creating where you're shaping where has God given you opportunity to create and shape and I'm gonna ask you to hold your applause uh, until the end and then we'll we'll all applaud for each other now I want to let you know ahead of time that you might uh, have to stand for two times and so if you stand twice that's okay if you got two and three jobs stand up two and three times and that that is that is okay and so uh, and then we'll close with a time of worship. So let's begin. If you are in business, in management, in account- accounting, in finance, engineer, I want to invite you to stand for a moment. Just stand right where you are. We see you, we see every one of you in this room. You may be seated. If you are in healthcare, a medical profession, a dentist, an MD, a nurse, a therapist, research, I want to invite you to stand. We see you. You may be seated. If you're an education, a teacher, administrator, support staff, security staff, I want to invite you to stand. We see you. You may be seated. If you are involved in social services, you're a counselor, social worker, and nonprofit. I want to invite you to stand. We see you. You may be seated. If you're in the service and retail industry, concierge, waiter, food restaurant service, custodian, beautician, I want to invite you to stand. We see you. If you're a city worker in government, sanitation, police, fireman, firewoman, transit, postal, administrative, military, I want to invite you to stand. We see you. If you're in construction, trays, builder, carpenter, electrician, you can stand. We see you. And our building needs you. <laughs> and so see me after the service, all right? <laughs> if you're in the arts, theater, movies, painter, writer, music, and invite you to stand. We see you. May be seated. If you're a student, junior high, high school, college, grad school, post grad, you stand. We see you. If you're in sales and related occupations, you can stand. We see you. You may be seated. If you're in transition right now, you're in between careers, disability, or changing careers, I want to invite you to stand. We see it. If you're retired, you can stand. <laughs> the retired folk always bring joy with them. It's just like. We see you, and we're jealous of you, all right? Like, <laughs> You're in parenting. If you are at home, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, work from home, and invite you to stand. We see you, and we so appreciate your work. If you are in transportation, driver, pilot, airport, subway, bus, I invite you to stand. We see you. If you're in church or parachurch work, maybe work on a campus, work for a parachurch organization, you can stand. We see you. If you drive a mic- uh, motorcycle, you can stand as <laughs> well. If you're in legal profession, lawyer, public defender, paralegal, office staff, you can stand. We see you and see me after the service as well. (laughs) And if you're other, okay, if you're, if you can find if you're other, just stand. God knows where you work. There we go. (laughs) Let's put our hands together. All right. It is a beautiful thing to see all the ways that we are creating and shaping in the city. And listen, God has called us, the church, not to be apart from this. He's called us to be a gift to the city. That if the church were ever to disappear, that the city would go, wait a second, where is the church? And he's called us in your various industries to work for the blessing of the city. And so this is what I want to do. I want to invite the worship team to come forward And in a moment I'm gonna invite you to come forward and you're gonna get this card now you probably have this card already throw the other one out get a fresh one okay get 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 a new one but this card is a full-time ministry to really it reminds us and I want to invite those who are giving giving those cards to come to your respective areas this card is a reminder and so it's important to know that these cards don't give you like special privileges okay this this doesn't this can't get you like free parking at the hospital it doesn't it doesn't get you into hospitals it doesn't get you out of parking tickets you know but office I'm in full-time ministry here's your ticket you know your ticket in full-time ministry and so um, and so in a moment as uh, our worship team leads us I'm gonna invite all of you to come forward as the ushers give you direction down below and in the balcony and as you receive the card our leaders, our pastors here, we're going to say these words to you. We're going to say, may you create and shape in Jesus' name. And when you receive that card, may, may you receive it as Jesus Christ commissioning you, sending you to your workplace, that you would go to work differently tomorrow because he's calling you there not just for a paycheck. He's called you there to create and shape in his name. And so uh, let's all stand together. I want to pray for us and then we can come forward. And then I'll close us on our time. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. And Lord, I, I pray that as we receive these cards, which is really, really, it's, it, it, there's a sacramentality to it, Lord, that you are present in the physical and in, in the tangible expressions of our work. And so, Lord, as we, as we come to receive cards, to, and, and when we hear these words, to create and shape in your name, Lord, may you do something in us. May you, may you shape something in us that we go to work tomorrow differently, working for the flourishing to create and shape. And so, by your Spirit, I pray you would empower us. Lord, we can't do this in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. We need the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in us. And so, Lord, we come forward now, in the name of Jesus we pray and everyone said amen. amen. Follow the direction of ushers and receive your card. God in my little, God in my little. And so God has commissioned you to work differently. My prayer is that you would go to work a little different tomorrow. With this in your mind and this in your heart. You're called to create and shape. Before I pray, a prayer of blessing over you. In your bulletin, there is this insert here uh, to sign up for a small group, to join up a small group. And one of the groups that we're trying to work towards creating is really a work small groups. Which connect people based on uh, occupation, careers. Uh, So teachers gather with teachers and artists gather with artists and, and all of that there. But also those folks that work in similar areas, Midtown, Lower Manhattan, Brooklyn, that our hope is to connect you together. For some of you, you can't join a community because of your work schedule. And so we want to do everything we can to overcome any hurdles and obstacles to get you connected to each other because to live this kind of life, we can't do it alone. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of community. And so um, you can just sign up for that in the insert here. You can give it to Phil or someone downstairs. And uh, we would love to connect you in any way that we possibly can to live this out. Uh, I want to invite the prayer team to come to my, to my right. I, listen, I get it. Some of you, I said it tongue-in-cheek in terms of how we go to our work. But many of you, it's, it's, it's been a battle to go to work. It's almost kind of a spiritual warfare for some of you. And you need the power of God. You need the grace of God. You need the love of God. You need the fruit of the Spirit to flow through you. And so we have a prayer team here to pray for you as you go to work tomorrow. As you think about your boss, as you think about your coworker, as you think about the kind of work that you're doing, you want to live this way, but you realize you can't do it alone. So we want to pray to, that God would fill you with everything that you need to go to work differently. And we have the Lord's table as well, the bread and the cup, that Jesus was broken and bruised so that you might be whole and healed and empowered as well. And so as we close, I want to invite you to open your hand towards heaven to receive a blessing. And I want to pray this special blessing over you that you see on the screen and so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God you are God's servants gifted with dreams and visions upon you rest the grace of God like flames of fire love and serve the Lord in the strength of the spirit May the peace of Christ be with you. The strong arms of God sustain you. And the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you in every way. Amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Have a great work week.